You're listening to Church on the Park Inspiration Podcast. Brought to you by Holy Fire. And broadcasting from the heart of Brisbane City, Australia. Speaking today is Pastor Glenn Gerhauser. The message is entitled, Fresh Wineskins. Fresh Wineskins. And this is number 14 in Metamorphosis, The Way of Transformation. This is the subject, the theme that God has put on my heart during this time. And I am going to read uh, from Matthew chapter 9, 9 through 17. So if I can get all of you to stand, if you're able to stand. If I could get all of you to stand in honor of his word. And there's a few paragraphs here. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting in the tax collector's booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he got up and followed him. Then it happened that as Jesus was reclining at the table in the house, behold, many task collectors and sinners came and were dining with Jesus and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, Why is your teacher eating with tax collectors and sinners? But when Jesus heard this, he said, It is not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire compassion and not sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Then the disciples of John came to him asking, Why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, The attendants of the bridegroom cannot mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them, can they? But the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. But no one puts a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch pulls away from the garment and a worse tear results. Nor do people put new wine into old wineskins, otherwise the wineskins burst and the wine pours out and the wineskins are ruined. But they put new wine into fresh wineskins and both are preserved. Amen. Now let's put our hands on our hearts and Pray this nice and loud with me, even if you're at home. (laughs) Dear Jesus, speak to my heart and change my life. In your precious name, amen. You may be seated, and I'm going to also pray for for myself and you. Father, I pray for your words to come alive, for you to make this clear to us that we would see, Father, what you're doing on the earth today. And Jesus, we would see what you're doing and that our eyes would be opened and our hearts would become like new wineskins for you. Give me the grace to share what you want me to share and stay on track in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Today, here's the theme. Today, the Father is making us into fresh 
wineskins for his new wine. And like Matthew, the tax collector, he's calling you to be a part of his new thing. He's calling you to be part of his new thing. Now, you might not understand this analogy of the wineskins and the new wine, but I'll make it clear as we go on very soon. So what are God's new, fresh wineskins? And how can you be a part of the new thing the Father is doing on this earth? And there's a reason I wanted to read this whole passage and all those verses that come before Jesus talks about the new wineskin and the new wine. Because it's only by reading the context that we understand what Jesus means by the fresh wineskins and the new wine. And I think many times people have been off track when they have looked at this or uh, tried to understand it, but it, putting it into context really reveals its meaning. First, observe how the people are questioning Jesus. Both the Pharisees and John the Baptist's disciples are disturbed by what Jesus is doing. And their questions are more than questions. They're criticisms. They are fighting against this new thing, a new thing that threatens their rigid and even zealous religious ways. This is what they are saying and extrapolated a little bit. But why do you eat with tax collectors and sinners? Shouldn't you be holy? You're setting a bad example. Why aren't your disciples fasting? You should be doing what every other godly person is doing. So why aren't you like us? Why aren't you doing the things that we think you should be doing? And so they're questioning him. Yet the father was doing something fresh and new. Sadly, the religious ones could not see or understand it. Even Jesus' own disciples had a hard time understanding who Jesus really was and what he was doing. Now, with this in mind, we'll look at what the Father and his Son Jesus is all about and what they're doing on the earth today. So are you with me? Are you ready? That's good. So point one, the Father is forming fresh wineskins for his new wine. This is something that the Father is actively doing. Since the time of Jesus, he is forming fresh wineskins for his new wine. And we read in Isaiah 43, 19, many of us will know this verse. Behold, I will do something new. Now it will spring forth. Will you not be aware of it? I will even make a roadway in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. And then at the end of this, verse 21, this passage, I won't read all of it. The people whom I formed for myself will declare my praise. Did you hear that? The people who I formed. The Father is in the, in the business of forming us and forming his people and here it says, the people whom I formed for myself will declare my praise. And this is what the Father is doing right now. It's his new way. And it transcends what we find comfortable. 
because the Pharisees did not find it comfortable. Even John the Baptist disciples did not find what Jesus was doing comfortable. And we have to watch out that we don't just point our finger at the Pharisees because in each one of us, there is a big Pharisee unless he is crucified. <laughs> and that is called the flesh, right? The flesh. And we have to crucify the flesh. Let the Lord crucify our flesh so that we don't become pharisaical because there is that, the tension and the fight between the old and the new within us. So what is a wineskin and what is new wine? What is a wineskin and what is new wine? In biblical times, they made wineskins from goat skins and sometimes sheepskins. They usually used the whole goat skin, so it was quite a big vessel that they were making. They usually, they usually used the whole goat skin to make the container where they stored the grapes' fresh juice. So what is new wine? New wine is what we call juice. It's... It's the wine that has not been fermented yet. Or it's in the early stages of fermentation. So, you know, you'd have the, the grapes that they would collect from the harvest, and uh, they used to stomp them with their feet. You can remember that funny scene in I Love Lucy, if you've ever seen that. And I heard that Nicole Kidman is now going to be playing uh, Lucy. It's a new, new TV show. I'm not here to recommend it or whatever. I don't know what it is. I just, I just know it's happening. <laughs> anyway, they would take the grapes. They would stomp them. The juice would come out. And then they would put the juice in these wineskins that were made from goat skins. The, they were leather skins. Now, we know that new leather is supple. In other words, it's able to be stretched. So you buy some new shoes. And if they're made of leather, they are going to tell you, oh, well, they'll stretch. Have you ever heard that before? But if you have old leather, it's brittle, it's hard, it doesn't stretch anymore. So the new wineskin is stretchable. And that's very important for the fermentation process because that new wine is going to begin to ferment. And what happens in the fermentation process, many of us might know, the yeast begin the yeast eat the sugar uh, molecules, and that produces uh, O2, a gas, and the gas expands the container. And so if the fermentation process is going on and there's gas pressing against the walls of an old wineskin, the, the wineskin will burst and break into pieces. It will tear. So you don't put new wine into old wineskins. Do you understand yeah. the analogy here? So in the wineskin, the process of fermentation or metamorphosis, there's a metamorphosis going on with the juice, with the wine, the new wine. It's a change from a non-alcoholic juice into alcoholic wine. There's a metamorphosis going on, a change. And like I said before, as the yeast eats the juice's sugar, it produces gas, putting pressure on the walls of the wineskin. Again, if the wineskin is old and rigid, it would tear and break, not able to handle the pressure of the process of metamorphosis, 
from juice to alcoholic wine. If the wineskin is new and fresh, it's flexible. It will stretch and expand through the process of change. Fermentation was one of the great discoveries of the ancient world, and not because alcohol can get you drunk. It was good because in ancient times, there was no refrigeration. It meant the juice could last forever and not spoil. So you could take a bottle of wine from the 1900s and still drink it. Actually, it would be worth a lot of money because of how old it is. That's because of the fermentation process. It preserves the harvest of grapes. And God is about preserving his work, the work that he's doing in us. He wants it to last. He doesn't want it to spoil and become moldy. He wants it to be uh, powerful. So in other words, this whole fermentation process was a way of preserving the grape harvest. Jesus, in his ministry, brought new wine to the people. Many people were not used to this unique wine. Jesus shared good news. This was new. And it was sweet and reflected God's goodness, love, grace, and mercy. And we know new wine is sweet because the sugar is still in it. Sugar's still in it, but as it goes through the process of fermentation, the sweetness is diminished and the, the form is changed. So Jesus was sharing the good news. He's sharing this new wine. It's reflecting God's goodness, his love, his grace, his mercy. This His good news, Jesus' good news is like new wine. However, the Pharisees and the religious people were used to the old wine. And had become, uh, and had they they had liked and got used to the old uh, wine and the old wineskins. The wineskins also have to do with their mindsets. You know how they're questioning Jesus, how they're they're not really uh, embracing all that Jesus is doing. Their mindsets have that that old skin, old wineskin. Uh, thinking. They could not receive what Jesus was saying and doing. They were resisting the Holy Spirit's power. They were uh, stuck in their old ways, ways that were not biblical, though they had the appearance of what was good. Things like keeping away from sinners. They wanted to uh, keep away from the sinners. They delighted in sacrifices and the impressiveness of sacrifices. And, of course, they were very zealous about fasting. And, uh, but these are not what the Father wanted. And right now we say, what? Say what? God's not interested. <laughs> what you talking about, Willis? <laughs> you mean God's not interested in us being holy and, and fasting and sacrifices? What? Well, this should cause us to think and to pause for a while. Jesus will always challenge us. And here's the thing. I, I'm a servant of Jesus, and so the messages will challenge you. I'll, I'm not going to stop challenging uh, you to kind of think and expand and grow. And they challenge me, too. I'm not above the word. The challenge is for myself as well. So all of this, this, 
This should cause us to pause and think. I thought God was delighted in holiness, sacrifices, and fasting. No, not necessarily. Not our own holiness, not our own sacrifices, and not our own fasting. The Father was creating new wineskins and still today is creating new wineskins. Now, what are these new wineskins? The new wineskins were the people that Jesus saved by his grace. They've been saved by grace and they continue to live drinking in his grace. Only these alone can contain the new wine. They're, they are Jesus' vessels. So uh, a wineskin was a vessel. And Paul made it clear that they had this treasure in earthen vessels. A different uh, type of container, an earthen vessel, but a container nonetheless. And so we have this treasure. God puts new wine into new wineskins. Now, ultimately, Jesus is the new wine and the new wineskin. Here he is. He's a living, walking new wineskin with the new wine dispensing through his life. And to reject Jesus' word and his spirit means to reject his new wine and the new wineskins. Now, if we go over to look at what is happening first, again, let's reflect on Matthew chapter 9, verse 9. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting in the tax collector's booth. Now, the tax collectors were the people that, as we know, they dis back then, they despised tax collectors. And still today, they don't really like the IRS in America. And not always the ATO, but we're not. We don't have any problems with them. We don't want to get on their bad side. <laughs> but these tax collectors were doing something. They were also pocketing a lot of the money. So they were collecting the taxes, but also overcharging. Well, they were thought of as the chief of sinners. And here, who does Jesus choose to be one of his disciples? A tax collector, Matthew, who's writing this gospel, as tradition tells us. He saw a man called Matthew sitting in the tax collector's booth, and he said to him, follow me. Who does he choose? He chooses the reject. He chooses the one that the Pharisees would never choose. He chooses the one that religious people would normally not choose. And Matthew gets up and follows him. Here, the Father and Jesus are making a new wineskin, and Matthew was part of that new wineskin. He's a recipient of Jesus' grace. Then Matthew knew lots of sinners and lots of tax collectors. He had lots of these friends. Then it happened that as Jesus was reclining at the table in the house, and we know from other Gospels this is Matthew's house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were dining with Jesus. So this one man that Jesus saves and calls all of a sudden starts a, a, a catalytic reaction this chain reaction of all these people now coming to Jesus. Many tax collectors and sinners came and were dining with Jesus and his disciples. And this whole thing 
offended the Pharisees, especially because they had the old mindset of you didn't eat with the Gentiles and you didn't eat with unholy people. You separated the clean from the unclean. And uh, they were not seeing things as the Father had intended. They were misinterpreting the Scripture, especially for this time. Um, when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why is your teacher eating with the tax collectors and sinners? Why? And, and this is what we find when God is doing a new thing. You have a lot of questions. Why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? Jesus, why are you up to this? And ultimately, often the questions, we may direct them at people, but they're really about Jesus. We're a little bit upset with, about what Jesus is doing because Jesus does things differently than we would expect. So here he's with the tax collectors and sinners, and he makes it clear. But uh, he says, but when Jesus heard this, he said, it is not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire compassion and not sacrifice, for I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. So here, the Lord is making up this new wineskin of sinners saved by grace. So this leads us to the question, who are we as a church? Who are we as church on the park? And there's been a lot of changes through COVID, and this year, more changes than I ever expected, uh, though I expected a lot of changes, but a lot more than I've ever expected. And so who, we, who are we as a church and I see that what God is doing in our church is this is a new beginning. God is doing something fresh and new. And he's keeping our wineskin fresh. God has always called us to be a new wineskin church, not to be like old, stale, dead religion, but new and fresh. So who are we as a church? We are a new wineskin church. And we're not the only one. I'm not saying, hey, you know, we're the only ones. We're not the only ones. There's others out there. And this is what the Father is doing. But this is who we are. Uh, this is our identity. And, and next year, I'm hoping that we even branch off into doing some home groups. And they are like wineskins and blessing them and praying that they grow and multiply. This is one of the things that the Father has put on my heart. We'll pray into and we'll see where we go, but this is one of the things. Now, who are we as a church? We are all sinners saved by grace and need to remember Jesus' grace daily. Now, you would say, oh, yes, we're sinners saved by grace, but someone, one student came to me. He went to a church, and uh, a church around here, and he got a book. You know, they always got a book, you know, and he's got this book and opens it up. He says, we are not sinners saved by grace. We shouldn't think like that. You know, we're saints. Believe me, I've been around the saints for a long time, and they are sinners. <laughs> anything else is just, just lying. But, here's the, but the good news is the grace makes us holy. The grace makes us into saints. But we have to live in our new identity. We also have to stay humble, realizing that we were just like Matthew. We are just like these many sinners. We're not better than them. I'm not better than them. You're not better than them. 
And I remember early in our church in Abundant Life Christian Fellowship, oh, sorry, I maybe shouldn't have mentioned it here, but we, my, my pastor would say, say this. There was a lot of people in that church that were saved, and then God cleaned up their lives. But then when the new wave of sinners started to come in, some of the ones that had been cleaned up started to uh, attack those who were sinners and still in the process of transformation. And Pastor Dennis says, wait, 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 hold up. I received you and welcomed you with all your sins and with all of your issues back then. Don't tell me that you're going to be uh, unwelcoming and attacking those who are the, the new ones that are coming in that are sinners. So here's the thing. As, as a, a new wineskin, we, have always, we always need to be welcoming sinners. But here's the thing about sinners. We love sinners when they're sinning against someone else. But we don't love sinners when they're sinning against us. <laughs> but we're called to love the sinners who are sinning and offending us. And this is what causes us to be stretched. The, the new wine and the new wineskin. Love will stretch you. Mercy will stretch you. Grace will stretch you. And I talked about God's amazing grace at the graduation uh, earlier, well, in the middle of this year. It seems like forever. With all the stuff that happens, happened in the world, it seems like three years ago But the graduation was just a few months ago where this place was, you know, packed with people and the theme of fruitfulness all around. And, uh, yeah, just a, a few months back, but I was talking about grace, and we love grace for ourselves. But when someone hurts us and we have to show grace, we don't often want to. We don't want the grace to flow, but that's what the Lord has called us to. That's how the church expands. It expands by the grace flowing through the vessel of our life. And it means that, Yes, we are going to have to extend grace. Just like Jesus has given us grace and forgiven us, we have to forgive others. And not just forgive others for the sins they do to other people, which again is easy, but the sins they do to us. Amen. Are you seeing this? Amen. And this is, the, this is the way of the gospel. This is the way of church community. Now, a lot of people have in, in the years... Uh, especially in the last 20 years. I'm thinking of the last 20 years. A lot of people have checked out of church because what they say is, I've been offended at church. Yeah, that's the whole point. You're meant to be offended. Well, I've been hurt in church. Yes, you're meant to be hurt, right? We're all meant to be hurt because how can you show grace where you haven't been hurt? How can you love someone if they just love you? No, that's not what Jesus has called us to do. He's called us to love those who uh, hurt us, our enemies. And uh, sometimes, sometimes people are frenemies. <laughs> but we don't want it to be that way, and that's why we believe for God's metamorphosis and his change. It, before this whole thing, and before God calls Matthew... If you go to the beginning of Matthew chapter 9, listen to this. Getting into a boat, Jesus crossed over the sea and came to his own city. And they brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralytic, Take courage, son. Your sins are forgiven. 
Well, of course, that was blasphemous to forgive someone's sins. Only God can forgive sins. So, of course, that really upset the scribes and the Pharisees. And some of the scribes said to themselves, this fellow blasphemes. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, why are you thinking evil in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk. But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, then he said to the paralytic, get up, pick up your bed, and go home. And he got up and went home. But when the crowd saw this, they were awestruck and glorified God, who had given such authority to men. So here we see God in the flesh, in Christ, God in Christ reconciling the world to himself. But there is a great pattern here. First, Jesus forgives the man's sins, and then he tells them to get up and walk. And this is a great image for what the Lord does in our salvation. He forgives us, but he doesn't let, we don't, ugh. he forgives us. Oh, Jesus says, you're forgiven. Oh, thanks. But he doesn't leave us paralyzed on the ground. You don't have to get me on camera yet. <laughs> Jesus says, get up and walk. And what the word of God teaches us, and as, as it comes to us, is it teaches us to arise and walk, to get up and walk. So it's not just forgiveness. God empowers us to walk so that we can follow him. Follow me is the next part of uh, next section, the next passage. <laughs> yeah, can I do that again? <laughs> so, the Lord is all about changing us, metamorphosizing us. So, in no way am I trying to encourage you to sin, but realize that God is gracious, and we need to remember Jesus' grace daily. Now, who are we as a church? We do not reflect the old denominational legalistic, micromanaging, controlling ways, which as, not in all churches, but you've often found uh, legalism and it's my way or the highway and micromanaging people's lives and controlling them. That is not what we are about as a church. We believe that Jesus is the head and he is the shepherd and he is the one that shepherds us and he's equipping us so that we can minister to others. And all of us are being raised up to be leaders. Now here, I want to say we are not New Wineskin Church. I know how to do all the business stuff. I know how to do all of that. I graduated from one of the best business schools in the U.S. But I specifically hold myself back in just trying to do it in my flesh because I know that God wants a new wineskin. And recently someone criticized us. They said, uh, who are the leaders in your church? And I thought, yes, we have come to a point where somebody can come. And they don't know who the leaders are. Because the whole purpose of Jesus is not to have the leaders parading around. I'm a leader, I'm a leader. But to be servants so you wouldn't even know. You wouldn't even know because they're serving because they're not promoting themselves. But of course, there, there's leaders, and, and, uh, but the leaders, Jesus, in Jesus' kingdom, the leaders are servants, servants. And the disciples didn't understand that. They thought, 
oh, uh, uh, who's the greatest among us? And Jesus was teaching them. It's, all, it's about serving one another. It's about loving one another. It's about caring for one another. This is the new wineskin. And a structure is very important because a wineskin is a structure, but it needs to be flexible and expanding. Two, point two. Are you with me? Did I offend you yet? Some people. (laughs) The molecular structure of the father's fresh new wineskins is his kind and loyal love. The molecular structure of the father's fresh wineskins is his kind and loyal love. And we see, if we go to Matthew chapter 9, verse 9 through 13, well, we read part of that. We'll just read this part, verse 13. The Pharisees are upset. Why is your uh, teacher eating with tax collectors and sinners? But when Jesus heard this, he said, it is not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. So the Lord wants to make us well and whole. That's his purpose. That's his aim. He goes on to say, but go and learn what this means. I desire compassion and not sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Notice what Jesus says. Go and learn what this means. So right now we're going to go and learn what this means. This scripture that he quotes. It's It's a verse of scripture that he quotes. And when he said this, he was changing the old wineskin mindsets, or he was endeavoring to, to all who would let him. So what verse of Scripture was he referring to? I'll read it again. But go and learn what this means. Jesus himself speaking here. But go and learn what this means. I desire compassion and not sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And there he's quoting from Hosea Chapter 6, verse 6. Hosea chapter 6, verse 6. And uh, it would be good to turn there if you have your Bible or to, to write it down. Hosea 6, 6. Well, what does Hosea 6, 6 say in the original Hebrew? So going back to the original, what does it say? I have the Hebrew here, but I'll just read the, a, a translation here, the NASB, and then translate it a little bit. And Hosea 6.6 6 says, and this is Yahweh speaking, God speaking, for I delight in loyalty. But do you know what that word loyalty is? Do you know this word compassion, what it is in the original Hebrew? It may be a word that you haven't heard before, chesed. Have you heard of this word before, chesed? You've heard it before? Yeah. Good. <laughs> chesed. So you can spell that as H-E-S-E-D. Or C-H-E-S-E-D. The ch, you know, it has that gritty sound to it, chesed. And I'm kind of joking if you heard that before, because if you've been in this church or in the Bible school, you've heard the word chesed. And chesed is one of those words where it's hard to uh, translate. You need a lot of English words to translate this one word chesed because it has such a rich history to it. Uh, It's like a treasure chest. 
Uh, here in the NASB, it's saying, for I delight in loyalty. But it's I delight in chesed. And uh, summing it up, putting it simply, simply, it's God's kind and loyal love. It speaks about God's kind love. And it speaks about his loyal love. It also is speaking about his compassion, his mercy, his grace. And so you kind of need the, uh, what's the Amplified Bible to really get at this word. It, it's if, if somebody is laying on the floor and I take my hand and pick them up and, and I help them out and make sure they're healed, uh, that's chesed. If I go out of my way to show someone grace, that's chesed. If I am faithful to my wife, and I will be faithful to my wife, that's chesed. It's loyal. It's faithful. So it has to do with kindness, but also loyalty and faithfulness and covenant love. It's so rich, chesed. And this is what Jesus tells us. Go and learn what this means, chesed. And what the, this is such a huge theme of the Old Testament. So it's not that God is saying, oh, it's a new wineskin throughout the Old Testament. No, the Pharisees didn't understand what the Old Testament was saying. It was the scripture, and, it was, and it's full of chesed. And, our, and when we studied the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, this uh, semester, and we have our last class tomorrow, uh, and then we're gearing up for next semester. So if you want to be a part of next semester, you can. And if you're online, you want to be a part of next semester, we're starting the 31st of January, uh, 2022. Well, what we saw is that the Torah is, a lot of people just see law and legalism, but actually, it's a story of God's chesed. It's a story of God's grace and love and help. And he enters into the suffering of the people and he pulls them out of Egypt and he takes them on a journey to the promised land. But it's all because of God's chesed, his grace, his love, his kindness. So it says here, for I delight. So Jesus says, go and learn what this means. And he wants the Pharisees to realize that what the scripture has always been about is God's chesed. It's always been about God's love and his kindness. And he is with the sinners because he wants to save them. He wants to see them change and transformed. He wants to pull them up. They're paralyzed in their sin. They are not able to walk and he wants them to get up and walk. And in order for that to happen, Jesus actually has to be with them. So here, here's my guidance here. Don't be with sinners to fall into sin with them. And you have to be careful. You don't want to be sucked into their sin. That can easily happen. You're trying to pull someone out of a pit and you fall into the pit yourself. You don't want that to happen. But you need to be around unbelievers and people that do not, do not know the Lord in order to win them to the Lord. If it's just us, if it's just us in our holy club, guess what? We've missed the point. <laughs> I don't hear much laughter, but we've missed the point. And so God has put us in our workplaces for a reason. We are called to be the salt and the light. God puts us in uncomfortable places. You're not gonna, you think Jesus feel, felt real comfortable with the, the way the people were joking and going about? But he kept his peace. And he was there to make the sick well. Not to keep them in their sickness, but to make the sick well. 
It takes hesed to do that. It takes a stretching, a new wineskin, not just stuck in your own ways and being comfortable, a stretching, an expanding. So here, the rest of the verses, for I delight in chesed rather than sacrifice. And the real sacrifice is a love-motivated sacrifice that the Lord is looking for. But people can sacrifice lots of things without love being at the heart. And that's what Jesus is referring to. Of course, the ultimate love is seen in Jesus' sacrifice. So it's not here that in Hosea 6 that it's saying, uh, I hate all sacrifice. It's that sacrifices without love is not what the Father is looking for. He's looking for the love-motivated sacrifices that come out of a love relationship with him. For I delight in chesed rather than sacrifice. And this is the next part. And the knowledge of God, da'at, da'at. It's like yada. And the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. And this knowledge is speaking about that intimate knowledge with God. So what is the Lord looking for? What are the new wineskins like? What is the new wine like? It looks like chesed, loyal, kind love. And it looks like intimacy with God, knowing him. Knowing him. Him. So, and he better smile when he brings Jesus because he will be right. Amen. And that's a great point. You better smile when you bring Jesus to people because he is a delight. We're in love with him. That's what we're about. We're in love with him. In other words, God enjoys love, grace, mercy, kindness. This is what he delights in. The Lord also longs for intimacy with his people, not the outward form of religious rituals. He wants us to truly know him. Now, it's good for us to have disciplines. It's good for us to gather together. It's sad to see that people don't gather together, not because they're not doing the religious thing. It's because we gather together to show love to one another. And when we don't gather together, we actually are withholding our love from one another. So why we do things is because of love. That is the new wineskin. And that's really hard because as a pastor, I could kind of crack the whip and I could be texting you, why weren't you here? Why weren't you here? I don't do that. You know, occasionally I'll, I'll look up people, but I'm not going to be trying to put on a guilt trip on you if you're not here because I'm trying to give you space and room. And I want you to do, and I'm not telling you, hey, we need a children's church leader, so I'm going to tell, uh, who should I tell to do it? Donna, she just got out of the hospital. She's in charge of the children's church. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to do that because I want the Holy Spirit in you to be moving you to do the ministry. In other words, I want it to be love motivated, the love coming out of your heart. And so I'm explaining to you why we do some of the things we do. Jesus makes his fresh wineskin by calling sinners and transforming them. So as he calls sinners and transforms them, we see all that with Patrick. We've seen that with each one of us. He's, he's, it's a, a fresh wineskin that he's making. And again, it, tra it transcends our church. It transcends our denomination. It's what the Father is doing on the earth. We just want to be a part of it. It's not about... You know, our church being the greatest, it's about we want to be a part of what the Father is doing. 
because we are recipients of Jesus' love, mercy, kindness, and forgiveness, we can then show it to others. So Matthew could show love because he was shown love. But the Pharisees could not understand this because they had not received God's love. There was some type of wall up. They were delighting in sacrifices and fasting, but they had forgot the most important thing. Love, 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 kindness, 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 goodness, gentleness, all the fruit of the Spirit. And I'm sure that they were nice, some of them were nice people. They were nice people, good people, upstanding. We're not thinking that these are men with, with horns on. They just had missed the point of what the Scripture was all about. And it's easy for any of us to fall into this trap unless we keep on going back to Jesus. We keep on going back to the standard. Keep on looking at what is he, who is he, what's his standard. Jesus' disciples are the new wineskin, and they are marked by chesed love, kind, loyal, covenantal love for God and for one another. That's what keeps us together. It's love which keeps us together. Simply put, his new wineskins are the communities. This is why community is so important, faith communities. Simply put, his new wineskins are the communities, the churches created by Jesus' transforming work. It's created because Jesus is calling and transforming people. And these communities are important because they contain the new wine. How is anybody going to taste the new wine unless there's communities and people that are containing that new wine? Chesed and da'at, love and intimacy, make us flexible, stretchable, and expandable like the fresh wineskin. Love and intimacy enable you to experience the dynamic transformation of the Holy Spirit and the Word in your life. Now here's the thing. You're saved and the word starts to come in you. There is pressure happening. There is a metamorphosis inside. There's like that fermentation process happening and it will stretch you. Have you felt that internal pressure inside? If you felt that, you know that the new wine is doing its work within you. It's pushing on the walls. Sometimes you feel like you're going to burst. I don't know if I can take it anymore. <laughs> but you let the Lord keep you fresh. And we're going to talk last thing coming up very soon is how we let the Lord keep us fresh. So we need lots of love and grace to welcome sinners. But here's the thing. When you know Jesus' constant forgiveness, love, and grace yourself, you'll be able to extend it to others. And the Pharisees, they forgot the whole foundation of the Torah, which was grace and love. But if you read... The scripture with fresh eyes, you'll see that. So the question is, how do you stay? And this is coming to the conclusion. How do you stay fresh like a new wineskin? And why do we need to ask this question? Because after a while, any wineskin gets old and inflexible, just like the flat Pharisees. So we all have the temptation, the longer we have been saved, to become old, inflexible, backslidden, set in our ways, and we've got to watch out for that. So how do we keep fresh like a new wineskin? 
Well, it's very interesting when we go back to the passage that we read. And Jesus said to them, the attendants of the bridegroom cannot mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them, can they? Well, literally here in the Greek, the attendants of the bridegroom is an idiom. And literally it says the sons of the bridal chamber. So here it describes the ones who are the new wineskins. And it calls them, I'll read it, the sons of the bridal chamber cannot mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them, can they? But the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. He refers to these new uh, wineskin people as sons or children of the bridal chamber. You can look that out. I've got the, I always have the detailed notes, so you can go to brisbanefire.com and check out some of these word studies and I have some Greek in there and some Hebrew and all, all these things that you can find. And that's also because there's, there's a lot of people that listen to these messages that have uh, gone out from this church. And over the years, there's many different pastors around Brisbane and leaders. And this church has sown into many different churches. That's why sometimes it feels like an empty nest. Because we have sown into all sorts of churches, and you can go around. Park Ridge is one of them. And uh, many of those people there uh, were our students and, and, and some of them the graduates. But we have sown into many different churches and places, and they, they'll listen. So the message that we're speaking is for us, but it's also for the body of Christ. And our call as a church is to be a blessing to the body of Christ. It's not merely about us that are here. It's about us being a blessing, us sowing into other people's lives, helping the church across Brisbane and Australia and all around the world, whoever's hungry, whoever comes, whoever's hungry. Well, third point is we stay fresh by being children of the bridal chamber. We stay fresh by being children of the bridal chamber. I don't hear an amen yet, but maybe because we don't understand fully what that means. It's an unusual phrase, and that's why the translators don't translate it literally. Children or sons of the bridal chamber is an idiom that means friends of the bridegroom and bride. So these are the bridegroom's closest friends, and they're also friends of the bride. And their whole job is to prepare the wedding feast, and their whole job is to uh, prepare the way so the bride and bridegroom can be married and connected, and it could be a joyful occasion. And we are all meant to be these friends of the bridegroom. So at one time, we are the bride, but from another perspective, we are also friends of the bridegroom doing the work of, uh, like, the best man, and what are the groomsmen, and the bridesmaid, bridesmaids. This is the language back then were, the language back then was the children of the bride, bridal chamber. Again, these are the closest friends, so we're meant to be friends of the bridegroom. They're the closest friends of the bride and the groom, and their job is to prepare, prepare the wedding and the wedding feast. The application for us is we are connected to the bridegroom. And our call is to connect others to the bridegroom. 
In other words, to introduce sinners to Jesus and help nurture them in Christ. But all of this is possible by being children of the bridal chamber. In other words, we are faithful to the secret chamber of prayer and pursuing intimacy with Jesus. We stay fresh by being faithful to the secret chamber of prayer, staying intimate with Jesus, staying close to him, being friends with him, knowing his heart. Are you seeing this? By being children of the bridal chamber and by being close to Jesus, one with him, we stay fresh. It's the same thing the Lord was saying when he said, abide in me and I in you. That da'at, that pursuing intimacy with Jesus. So as a church, we've always been about being a new wineskin. And through all this time and lots of different changes, the Father is saying, stay the course and let me preserve you so that you're a fresh wineskin. Now, what happens when the wineskin becomes old? Well, when the new wine's put in there, the whole thing bursts and tears apart. So the wineskin is lost and the wine is lost. But God is about causing things to last. He's about things being perpetual, continual, eternal. And how we stay eternal is allow the Lord to renew us every day. Allow Him to renew us every day. Allow Him to keep us supple, new, fresh. I started off the Bible school semester talking about wonder and awe and reverence. Living in every day with wonder, awe, and reverence. This is like a childlikeness. Children are new. As we get old, we get skeptical, we get critical, we get judgmental. But the, when a child is new, they're not like that. They're filled with wonder. Uh, Valerie was crying over there because the magpie, the dad magpie, left behind a little baby magpie. She's, <laughs> she's crying. And I said, uh, this was just before close, I said, it's okay. The magpies have been doing this a long time. Maybe it's, maybe it's a teenager magpie. He'll come back and reconnect. And she was really excited when she came up to me and she said, Dad, they found each other again. <laughs> but what is that? That's that childlike heart that we lose as we get older. And why do we lose it? Because people beat us up. And people do hurtful things to us. And it beat us up, and so we get a tough skin. And we say, you know, that person has a tough skin. But guess what? In God's kingdom, we're not meant to have tough skins. We're meant to have supple skins, <laughs> stretchable. Now, we, can, we are meant to be wise as serpent and gentle and innocent as doves. So we're wise, we're mature, but we cannot retract from loving, even though it will mean the cross and our own personal crosses. Are you with me here? So lastly, I went a little bit longer than I expected, but this is the last point. This was the last point that we already shared. God is calling His churches worldwide to be purified from religious and dead ways and be His fresh wineskins. And we must continually look to Jesus to learn his ways and not get our eyes off of Jesus. And let's get our eyes away from every single controversy that is out there and let it 
Let them be on Jesus. I know about controversy. Back in New York, we were freshly saved. All we would do is fight about theology. This person was being, should be disfellowshipped because they believed this doctrine and that. And again, I told you we got all the conspiracy theories sent to us. I know about that stuff. And I know it doesn't lead to life. It leads to death. And Jesus has a better way. And all this time we could have been reaching people and we're arguing. I'm talking about myself and my different friends back in the day, though we had many great times too. <laughs> so we must allow Jesus to personally teach us and transform us. We can't imitate Jesus in our own strength. Otherwise, we're going to fall into the same trap that the Pharisees did. They took the scripture, but they did it in their own wisdom and strength, and they became like old wineskins. So some words of wisdom, criticism, and judgment do not produce fresh wineskins. Only spending time with Jesus makes us new and fresh. It's his Holy Spirit that keeps us new and fresh. Churches will never be perfect, and I'm never going to be perfect but I'm leading you to the one who is perfect. We all need to be committed to being on the way with Christ. We're never going to be perfect. There will always be something to point out. This is wrong. That is wrong. There's always something, you know, if you look. But we're meant to keep our eyes on Jesus. So let's get back to the secret chamber of the Lord and stay fresh. Amen? Let's all stand and we're going to. We're going to pray. We're going to come around the communion table. And coming around the communion table is the last thing we're doing as we drink the new wine. Amen? So through all the turmoil in the world, through all the turmoil in the world, Jesus is still building his church. So he hasn't stopped. What is the Lord doing in the, the world today? Jesus is still building his church. And his church is meant to be the dwelling place of his Holy Spirit. And in this place, he saves people, he heals them, he transforms them. He shows them love and mercy. What is also, what also is he doing with all the change? He's also renewing his church, making us into fresh wineskins for his new wine. So let's stay new and fresh by loving his secret place. Amen. Maybe Anna, you can... Before we come around the communion table, we'll just have one song and just we'll pray and let the Lord uh, minister to us. And then we're going to come around the communion table and take communion. So this is what the Lord is doing all around the world. He's renewing his people. He's renewing his church. And he's using all these trials and all these shakings to renew us, to get us refocused to refine us, to refresh us, to restart us, to reset us. So some people, you are using that word reset in another way, and I, <laughs> I'm using it now. But this is what the Lord is doing. He's renovating. He's renovating his house. He's renovating us, and it's an internal renovation. So, Father, we want to come today and just celebrate you. Celebrate, Father, what you're doing. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you that you have shown us grace and mercy. 
we don't stand here because of our righteousness. We stand here because of your righteousness, Jesus. We stand here because of your love. And we don't want that love to just be contained in us. We want it to flow out. So I'm asking a blessing on everyone here that the love would flow out of all of our lives and that people would taste it and be transformed, delivered, set free, that the sick would be well, and that the harvest, Father, would grow. Lord, our eyes are on you, and we're also looking to the harvest. The harvest is plentiful. The harvest is plentiful. Help us to see that the harvest is plentiful. Help us to see that things that they're not ending, they are beginning. And you've called us to be harvesters, laborers in the harvest field, reaping the harvest. So lift up our eyes. And I pray for every pastor. I feel that there may be pastors watching this. Everyone that's their hands are hanging down. Their head is down. They're weary. They're worn. I've been there before. I pray that you would lift up their eyes and their hands to see that the harvest is ripe, that the time is now, that you are sending out laborers into your harvest field, that you have called us to be laborers and not to give up, that your new wine is still available and that you're making their churches into new wineskins, shedding off the old ways and, and bringing in the new. So, Lord, we embrace the newness of your spirit, the newness of your life, that fresh wave of your spirit, Father. We embrace it. You're the only one that can save, deliver, and set free. We are just your vessels. We are just your servants. Thank you, Jesus. Just spend a minute just coming into the chamber, into the secret chamber of the Lord before we come around the communion table. Come into your chambers, Lord, to rest with you, to know your heart, to be refreshed by your Holy Spirit. Father, where people have tried to pull us in the old or, or where people have tried to pull us into the old, where even our own flesh has tried to pull us into the old, Lord, we just put that away. And I'm asking for a congregation to be refreshed, refreshed. I'm asking for all of our minds and our hearts and our souls to be refreshed. Refreshing from your presence, Lord refreshing from your presence to each one. Just a covering of your refreshing. Even as you're doing it across all Australia in the natural, we have the rains and the floods. Lord, take this dry ground and flood it with your spirit, Lord. Send the rains to us, Lord. On the inside, Lord, let the winds blow. On the inside, Lord, send the rain, Lord. Send the rain to your people so that we may be fruitful and multiply. 
Hallelujah.